Derek Wetmore, 1500ESPN.com. Twins writer joins us. All right, sir, let's start off with this one. Cleveland, can we put to bed the fact that there's still people out there that think that Cleveland is going to, at some point in time, take total control of this division? I think Cleveland very well might win it. But when you get swept by Oakland, outscored 17 to 6, which they were, I think we need, I think until we see way, way more, we need to realize that the American League Central is probably going to remain tight and that there is just as good a chance as Kansas City continues to thrive. Cleveland, to me, I keep getting told they're going to come around and, and they should. I get it. I get that their roster should. But I'm also at the point of saying we are now nearing August 1st, and they haven't yet. Yeah, I've been waiting for it for a long time with their pitching staff. You expect that it's going to come around at some point. You mentioned the Royals, and to me, Collar and I were talking about this last week. To me, that's the wild card, because if you were sitting at this thing, maybe maybe you're looking at your situation a month ago and saying, all right, well, hey, Cleveland hasn't run away, and we're kind of right there, and why not? And But now that... That's That was under the assumption that, well, the Royals are going to sell off because they got so many free agents in their walk year. They're going to have to make a decision and, and probably blow it up, restock the farm system. Now it doesn't look like that's inevitable anymore. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked to see Kansas City as buyers. So now, if you're the Twins, not only in the American League Central, but in the wild card race, you've added another team to the mix. Mm-hmm. And percentage chance of making the playoffs, I think, even if you're right there, goes down for every subsequent team you add. So it Changes the math in kind of a scary way if you're the Twins. If you want to see the Twins compete this year, having the Royals hang around and the Indians there, despite not yet playing very good baseball, it's a difficult picture to look up at. I'm trying to figure out who will be buying when we come to the trade deadline because the Detroit Tigers and Oakland Athletics are all the way down. They're sellers, but they're all the way down, and they're still only six games out. I know. (laughs) There are other teams who have put a lot into their rosters, Baltimore, Toronto, Los Angeles Angels. I mean, teams that might want to try to win that could be even thinking, you know, maybe we're a little better than what our record is. Maybe we should be that team that's in the playoffs. And you've got the Twins sitting just ever so slightly above all of these teams, but our conversation is, oh, no, they're not big-time buyers for sure. And and I doubt they will be. But I'm looking at this saying, trying to figure out which way it's going to go, saying to myself, well, who is going to be the, those teams that add that big player that might be the difference? This is the beauty of the second wildcard team. I know I'm, I'm a bit – I'm probably the youngest traditionalist among, like, Baseball fans and I don't stuff. Know. I intern get, Charlie intern was Char- mad about Bartolo yeah. Colon earlier. Intern really? Charlie's worse yeah. than you. Oh, really? All yeah. right. Well, Charlie, we've got something to talk about this uh, maybe at the break. I think that, uh, just generally speaking, there are a lot of things that I'm like, eh, I don't know. I like this better the old way. Mm-hmm. The wild card is not one of those things. I, I sort of uh, braced for it, like this isn't going to be good. It's been fantastic for baseball. I love the drama that it adds, and the trade deadline is Exhibit A. You've got all these teams. You just mentioned Baltimore and Toronto. For all intents and purposes, out of the race, right? I mean, they're trying to chase the Yankees. They're trying to chase the Red Sox. Uh, Tampa Bay's ahead of them in the wild card. But yet, Baltimore's uh, five and a half games back of the wild card, as is Toronto at this time. Like, that... That's a tough obstacle to overcome, but it's not insurmountable. And that's why I picked them out, because those are two teams that I look at as, well, those aren't rebuilding teams like the Twins. Yeah. Those are teams that have been competitive for quite some time They tried now. to win this year. Yeah, and they, right, they <laughs> wanted to win this year, and they might be looking at it as, yeah, it's a long shot, but 
what good does it do us to not try to sell off a prospect to get that player? We need to make it right now. I think that there's two ways of thinking, and, and some teams sort of get caught in the middle. It's like in the NFL when you're eight and eight, worst place That's in exactly football. Exactly what this is. Yeah. Right worst now. place in football. If you're I'm five, you. five and you know whatever the math is, five and eleven, they play sixteen games, right? NFL, yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. <clears throat> they, uh, it's a bad place to be, but at least you know. Well, we're going to get a new quarterback, maybe get a new coach, or, or we like the coach we have, and we just sort of have to build around this nucleus. In baseball, the equivalent of eight and eight or seven and nine is. Wild card maybes. You're like a contender, kind of. And if you're in a market like Toronto that expects to win each year, or now they do, Baltimore expects to win, boy, that's a really tough spot to be, especially with the inherent flaws that some of those teams have. I don't know what you do, but I think you kind of just have to, if you're the Twins, you kind of just have to choose. You can't sit on your hands. You're either going to go into selling and play for the future, or you're going to try to load up and take a shot this year. I think the Twins, in this metaphor, would be the best 8-8 eight and eight you could ever be in football, which is if you were 1-15 the year before, yeah. and you drafted your franchise quarterback, and you went 500 in his rookie season, and then you'd be looking at it like, man, the future is ours with this guy that we showed this much progress in a year. And there are these other teams who are afraid of being that 8-8 eight and eight team because they're like the Vikings last year. Sure. We've built this thing for a long time, right. and the best we can get if we're the Orioles or the Blue Jays or the Angels, I mean, the Angels poured all that cash into right. Albert Pujols, and they've just been spending. And they, They've got the best player in baseball, right. and, and now you're hoping to sneak in the back door. Yeah, and every year you have the best player in baseball, and you feel like, well, we should just buy, 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 because uh, if we get a chance, maybe we can make something happen in the playoffs. And there's an Angels team, they're three and a half out. And then the Rangers, they're the same way. They've built this team for a long time. So that's what makes the Twins, I think, for one, in a very different position than most of these teams, but also in a much better position than most of these teams. The, st- the growing teams that the Twins are with, I, I always look at the Rays as a constant state of uh, like improving and they building. They sold off this yeah. winter, and now they're still here. Right? And uh, yeah. the Yankees are a growing team that yeah. is going to be in two or three years Really, really good. Mm-hmm. So here's but everybody my, else. I mean, I know. But here's my issue with this. Man. Mediocrity. So I think if I'm reading between the lines here, your argument is, well, if you're the twins, maybe add to it, but don't add aggressively. You just you see what you got in the future. But but consider adding to this. I think I'd be I'd come down a little bit harder on the you should buy argument. And here's why. The White Sox just dealt Jose Quintana, which may or may not complete their completely their overall rebuild. They still have some pieces that you could see trading, but they dealt Chris Sale. Yeah. They dealt Adam Frazier, right? Could be traded. They could trade Frazier. They could trade Abreu much, if they yeah. wanted to. I mean, sure. they have some, they could trade Robertson. Yep. There's some people that they could move if they want to continue this rebuild. Yep. Well, that's fine. If you're just thinking about it on a one-year deal, it's like, okay, fine. Now you don't have to worry about the White Sox. That's one more team. They're obviously sellers. The A's, they're sellers. The Tigers, they're probably sellers. But, in the future, I think that becomes problematic. If you're the Twins and you're investing in like two or three years from now, you also have to project out how good are the White Sox going to be? Are the Indians still going to be really good? Are the Royals going to have this big reboot coming and they're going to be a competitive team? It becomes complicated if you say, look beyond the summer of 2017 yep. and try to figure out where you stand in the division. I, I think the picture just got a little scarier with the White Sox going even further all in on their rebuilding mode. But Derek, don't you think that that the uh, younger baseball executives' mentality is 
I'm smart enough that I can build something over time that's going to be a World Series contender. And I don't worry about the White Sox or Cleveland because I'm convinced I'm building such a good team. Yeah, I think everyone wants to be Theo Epstein. Right. right? Like, but come into the, the Cubs. That's the thinking and, now, though. Yeah, but I, I think they're also, at least from my you know armchair perspective from the sidelines, I think they're also self-aware enough to realize that it does matter what other teams are doing. Mm-hmm. We gave... You know, Derek Falvey, a bunch of praise this winter because, well, if he can maybe fix the pitching, this could be the Twins renaissance that they need on the pitching side of things. Derek Falvey's your guy. But, like, he doesn't have a—I'm willing to guess this. He doesn't have trade secret. Like, he doesn't know things that nobody else in baseball knows. By and large, they're all playing the same game. Mm -hmm. They're looking for market inefficiencies, and they're looking for pitching. And so if the Twins are maybe starting from a little bit behind in that race, they have to run faster than the other team's— to catch up to where they are. So do you want to take the slow build approach? Based on their public quotes, it seems like that's what they're going to do. Thad Levine talking up the possibility of not adding pieces. Derek Falvey's been wait and see since he got here. Do I think that 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 could be the course they take because that's sort of the front office executive MO nowadays? Yeah, absolutely I think that's possible. But I also think that they're looking at other teams and seeing the landscape of baseball and figuring out where do you fit into that and make your decisions accordingly. So it, it, it's, it plays off of both things. It's both the sort of the ego, but then also the selfless realization that, yeah, there are some other teams we have to compete with. We not, we not only need to be a better team, we need to be better than those guys next year. Based on history, shouldn't they go into this deadline saying, what bad players can we find that might actually become good? What Cliff Lee can we find, or what Corey Kluber. Jake Arietta or Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if they sent off nothing prospects or just cash considerations or whatever they could mm-hmm. from every bad team possible for five different pitchers or whatever? I know that there's roster constraints here, mm-hmm. but whatever way you could. I, I almost think that that is kind of the most likely scenario, that if they're going to add, they're going to add someone, we all go, ugh. That guy's not that good. And and then maybe there's something there that they see on paper or in scouting that there's a possibility that player becomes good. Let's discuss that next. Hey, guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three-plus decades, and there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Okay, I think they should go get bad players. Yeah, but bad players who could be good they players, got maybe. coming already. Yeah. No, no not, not that type of bad players. That There is a history of pitchers being bad in their first location, whoever drafted them, developed them, and on and on, and then being picked up by other teams and becoming good. And I hmm. think that this team is in a perfect place to buy a couple players. If you brought in two pitchers and we went, what? These guys have five and a half ERAs and they're 27. And then they could be like, well, we're just looking for pitching depth. But behind the scenes, there's some reason, yeah. whether it's video or analytics or whatever it might be, yep. that that person could be a long shot good pitcher. So uh, 
this kind of – I think I'm colored by the book that I'm reading right now, and it's about, like, stats and randomness and stuff like that. Um, and it's not particularly pertaining to baseball, but it applies so perfectly to what you're saying here. So I'm going to be a little cynical, and you'll forgive me for that. I know you will. I think we tend to remember the players who were bad and became good because it's unusual. Yeah. In the same way, we forget about the players who are bad. Someone gives them a second chance, and then they're just bad. Uh-huh. So I get what you're saying. I, I like I I can think of a dozen examples of players who needed the proverbial fresh start. And in the media, we put a narrative on it, change of scenery, whatever. Sometimes it's a bad coach that they were with, and then they get to a better coach. Or sometimes, uh, I heard you guys talking about Laquan Treadwell earlier, sometimes they just don't take things seriously enough or don't have what it takes, mm-hmm. and they need to be humbled first. That happens all the time in baseball. But I think we're just so much more likely to remember those than than they're actually likely to pan out. It might be, like, what what would you guess? How often would you say a pitcher is not good until age 27 and then becomes good? Oh, I'm I- just I'm just... Out of a hundred, how many guys would flip the switch? Two or three, probably. Okay. So it's it's not a huge chance. Maybe that's higher. Maybe it's ten or fifteen. It's a very difficult profession. I was going to say, and give then, me two or three. Yeah. I'll take that. But, but that but, what but my my point is that this team is in a position to do it. Sure. That there aren't often teams that are in a position kind of take a gamble to on take a guy. on somebody who might have some potential in there. And that if you keep doing that, if you got two or three guys at this deadline, and maybe you pick up two or three guys in the off season or, or whatever that might have a chance mm-hmm. that I think with Bartolo Colon, what we're seeing here is they've already got this mindset of, well, uh, if we bring up the guy from Rochester, he's going to get his face beaten with a shovel. Hmm. And if we bring, that's a hundred percent chance. And if we bring up Bartolo Colon, uh, there's probably an 85 to 90% chance he gets his face beat in. But there's also a 10% chance that he doesn't and that he's pretty good for the rest of the season. So why not take that swing? And I think it's the same thing with those other guys that, yeah, maybe it's one out of 100 or two out of 100. But what if you can increase those odds by knowing different things or having different numbers that point in a certain direction? So that's a perfect segue because the, the knowing something that other teams don't know I think is gone. By and large, it's gone. I think that it's so hard. Like, imagine if you were a general manager in the 1950s and you had the ability and technology to not only monitor but understand the importance of spin rate and things like that. You can say, like— Branch Ricky. That's right. What's spin rate? It reminds me of the Thad Levine quote when he joined you and Roycey, Judd, when he said— You know, if I heard Branch Ricky say it once, I heard him a hundred times. What I could have only accomplished— in my career, if I'd only had a data scientist. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sort of applies here is that the Twins don't have this, like, secret sauce. I'm guessing. I'm just guessing this. I don't think that they have one thing that they can say, well, we can identify those two out of 100 pitchers, but the other 29 teams, they're still in the dark, so don't tell them the secret. I think the secrets teams. are kind of out. You need one. That's right. You only I, need one with that To play. bite on it. What I'm saying, though, is if you are a team that's trying to accumulate assets like this, like a guy who's struggled, but you think it's because he should be pitching up in the zone and his team's telling him to pitch him at the knees, mm-hmm. and it's just not working out, and you think you can unlock this secret code for this guy, I think you'd have a much better chance of doing that if you had extra information or something that other teams just don't know, and I think that's gone but away. Don't, but don't these guys have to have the the sort of um, uh, confidence in themselves that they do have that slightly at least? Uh, don't, don't you have to think to yourself, 
I think I can identify more than them. I think based on just who you have here, who's running the team. Like, like that, I see what that Derek's guy saying. has made his bones get, being able to do this. I get your point, but doesn't That's there your need, advantage? Doesn't there need to be a hubris of a certain degree to yeah. say I can build a World Series team here because of this, partially based on what I can do? For sure, I think there has to be a hubris. I think it is a non-starter to not have that sort of ego to be in a big executive position to run a baseball team. I also think that hubris is unfounded. I think that it's unlikely that you just have this like secret sauce that somebody else doesn't have. I get that Falvey is a pitching guru, and we'll see how it plays out over time. I just think this is going to be a, a bit of a slow build, and you're going to rely on some of your young pitchers over the next couple of years. I, I don't think you have to be uh, some sort of guru or perfect at it. You just have to be slightly better that, at it than everybody else. And the other thing I would say, too, is you could have uh, your dog uh, just go to a bowl with a bunch of pitchers' names on it, and maybe one of them works out. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's ten pitchers. <laughs> sure. and Stella's a genius. Your, your Stella, you a get pizza. a raise. But Quit if, shedding. But if you don't put any food in the bowls, then the dog isn't going to go pick them up. The point <laughs> okay. is that you have to try to do this, and there are very few teams that are actually in this position to do it. All right, it. boys. Sure. And with that, we're done. <laughs> okay. Wetmore, thank you. Thanks, guys.